Creative Sandbox Way Podcast, Episode 167. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, and I believe that life is too short to not express the innate creativity inside of you. So in 2016, I wrote a book called The Creative Sandbox Way, based around 10 guideposts that I developed to get myself out of creative stuck and back to the sense of playful creativity that I naturally had when I was a four-year-old. Here's the thing. The world has a way of shutting us down, of cutting us off from our natural playfulness and creativity. But when we give ourselves the gift of peeling off the layers of adult programming, of perfectionism and comparisonitis, and returning to that place of play and creative exploration and self-compassion, not only does life get better, but it allows us to step into our fullest possibilities for ourselves in every area of life. That is my hypothesis, which has been borne out in my own life and the lives of my students and clients and readers and listeners. Make space for your creative joy and life goes from gray to full color and you start to explode what is possible for yourself. So the Creative Sandbox Way, the book, was just the tip of the iceberg. I continue the conversation each week with this podcast. Let's jump in. A few months ago, I met somebody who said, oh, you do Lego serious play? Then you must know Kittizens, to which I answered, Kittizens, what's (laughs) Kittizens? Well, it turns out that Kittizens is a brick and mortar business that's just a couple of miles from my house that's based on kids building cities out of Lego. And I recently had the chance to meet the CEO and the program director in person and see this Kittizens headquarters in person. And I got so excited about the vision and what this organization is creating that I knew I had to have them on the podcast. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the Kittizens CEO, Prana Vadya, and program director, Fiona Watson. Prana Vadya is a business professional with 20 plus years of strategic advisory, corporate finance, and business development experience, with several years as a consultant for tech companies, helping them with marketing, business development, and funding. She has founded a nonprofit and a for profit organization, Kittizens, a Lego based civic and environment and, and economic enrichment program in the San Francisco Bay Area. She serves on the board of directors for the school fund and ENACT. Prior to that, Prena spent over seven years in technology investment banking at UBS and over four years in business development at Phillips Electronics. 
Fiona Watson joined Kittizens in March 2015 as the program director. She moved to California from England, which you will be able to hear in her voice, where she gained her undergraduate degree in math and geography with additional teaching status from Bath Spa University. She spent the past 20 years working in a number of UK schools. Most recently, she was brought into an underperforming school as a vice principal to support the school in raising standards. The school successfully achieved this under her leadership. Fiona has also worked for several years in Southampton University, lecturing undergraduates and mentoring students. Welcome, Prana and Fiona. I'm so delighted to have you here on the podcast to talk about Kittizens. I was introduced to both of you through a mutual acquaintance who knew about our mutual interest in Lego, that we all of us use Lego bricks in our work. I am a certified facilitator in Lego Serious Play, Methods and Materials, and Prena and Fiona run a company called Kittizens, which is entirely based on building with Lego. And so I recently had the chance to meet the two of them in person and to see the Kittizens headquarters in Los Altos, California, which is like two miles away from where I live. I had no idea that it even existed. And I got so excited about the vision of Kittizens and what this organization is creating that I knew I had to have them on the podcast. And here's what it says at the bottom of the Kittizens website, which is at thekittizens.com, K-I-D. I-Z-E-N-S.com with a the at the start, thekittizens.com if you want to check it out. It's it says, to get the kittizen, just thekittizens.com. <laughs> <laughs> thekittizens.com. If you want to check it out, it says, at Kittizens, we're building responsible future leaders, one brick, one project, one city at a time. Our mission is to cultivate creative, critical, and civically responsible thinking that can be the foundation pillar of future learning in life. That is so inspiring. So first of all, welcome, Fiona and Prena. Welcome, and tell us what, what is Kittizens? Thank you, Melissa, um, thank you. and thank you for the opportunity. So Kittizens actually is just a study in real life. <laughs> it's an environment that actually facilitates real life learning, real life exposure, real life skills. And the kids are building these fabulous Lego cities and thereby they're learning everything about life. Um, they are exposed to concepts that essentially are surrounding them in real life. And as such, they learn how societies form, function and evolve. So that's really what Kittizen says. I mean, yes, we call it a civic and economic enrichment program. We do have a pretty well-developed curriculum that essentially, again, is a real-life social studies. I'm sorry, I'm saying real life quite a bit here, but that is really the emphasis. Um, the idea is to actually make it um, not just the social studies or the civic standards that, um, that California sort of adheres to or schools adhere to, but really getting in-depth um, with the social and emotional learning and the project-based learning um, environment and standards. Cool. And yeah, Fiona, did you want to add anything to that? Uh, I mean, I think Prana probably covered it. She's very good, good at um, 
putting things very succinctly. But I kind of, there's loads of, I mean, we can t- we could sit and talk to you for hours about the different skills that children learn and the different groups that have different skill levels and the entrepreneurship and everything that kind of goes along with the programme. But it's very, it's a kind of a very hands-on, concrete, as Prane keeps saying, real life um, experience that really kind of the kids fully get involved in and are kind of immersed in completely to kind of get a really all-round experience of everything. And how did you come up with the idea? I mean, how did it, how did it get started? What's the origin story of Kittizens? Sure, sure. No. So the original, the original, I, original idea came from actually a Divinic elementary school teacher. He was a Lego buff. And at the time, Lego education was trying to actually get into a lot of classrooms. Still is, actually. We are trying to, you know, we're seeing lots of Lego kits in different classrooms. And a lot of classrooms are being converted into Lego spaces and Lego-based uh, environments. And this teacher sort of took it further. He actually, um, I think, literally took the the classroom and converted that into like kids kind of building these cities. And he was a second grade elementary teacher. So the second grade does have a lot of, um, you know, city building and government units that the kids study. And as such, basically, the idea was to use that Lego platform to do, you know, do so. And then he started running that sort of little, you know, basically kids started staying after that and actually doing that sort of got transformed into a, um, an after-school program. And that's really where the idea originated from. My kids actually were at the point at, at their growth curve uh, where I felt that really inculcating these civic awareness and responsibilities in them would be just really the wonderful thing to do. Actually, my nonprofit was started at the time when my kids really were trying to learn Hindi um, as a language, and I felt like that, that was important. Similarly, this one was, so I actually took it over, that entire concept, uh, whatever little curriculum at that time existed. And then essentially from there on, we have actually expanded the, the idea of citizens to include state, country, um, lots of entrepreneurship related um, concepts and essentially taken it uh, to a different level. So it actually started at Duvenek School, is that what you said? That's correct. So what listeners who are all over the world won't know is that Duvenick School is an elementary, is, school, in is an elementary school in Palo Alto, California. That's it right. used to be known as Green Gables School, and that's the school that I went to as a child. Oh, wow. oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the disappearing degrees of connection and separation. <laughs> yes, I went through K through six through that exact school and grew up two blocks away from there. Well, if you could fast forward your growing up (laughs) to a few years later, then you would have actually had the experience of probably having some cities in your classroom. I just missed it by, what, 40 years or something. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's wild. Yeah. So actually, I mean, and, and of course, I mean, you know, the curriculum has... Constantly evolved. We've had some fabulous teachers. I mean, right now, Carrie Fiona is sort of leading it as the program director. We have had teachers from varying backgrounds, political science, psychology, anthropology. I mean, we're just people who are contributing to the curriculum from various angles. And frankly, I would say that a lot of the curriculum actually gets evolved in the classroom and, and developed in the classroom by the kids or rather with the help of the kids. Um, the kids interact with each other and that social and the social interactions really form the basis for the need to add a particular unit or a particular topic in the classroom so i'll just give you an example for instance that 
let's say we have simulated um, a, a flood in a city and um, a business has completely sort of, you know, just flown away um, or, or just, you know, getting, gotten completely flooded, the kids will come in and say, oh my God, I wish I had insurance. And of course, these are some of the kids who are perhaps understand the concept behind insurance, but then the other kids can actually be told about what the insurance is. So right at that moment, we will perhaps, you know, prop another insurance company in another city that will actually start offering, um, you know, all kinds of insurance products. But of course, underlying that will actually also have a beautiful lesson that talks about what insurance is all about. Wow. And that's really the idea behind Kittizen's, I would say, highly evolving and dynamic curriculum. Yeah. So we do adhere to standards that California state sort of, you know, um, has laid out for in, in social science and literacy and math. It's a very open-ended platform. So, of course, the learning is happening across multiple dimensions. Um, so we do have and we do adhere to all those standards. But at the same time, the, really the topics are pretty much inspired by real life scenarios that the kids end up experiencing and um, discussing in their city council meetings or in their social settings during their time here. Yeah, so it's okay. It's very child-led, which is the beauty from our side of things, being the teachers that deliver the program, because yes, we have a curriculum in place, but every class, even though we will have a set curriculum to follow will go off in different directions because kids will come in with previous knowledge of things or they'll they want to put a proposal forward and they present that to the rest of the group and the group will kind of question them and they may move forward with it they may not move forward with it but something will have come out of that discussion in once um in one way shape or form so it's a very fluid environment to work in as a teacher which is just perfect um, for a lot of the teachers that we have um, and it's just a testament to the kids that come through the program as to how they really do become vested in their um, environment that they create themselves and become real kind of stakeholders and want the best for the people that live in their city. They're, they're kind of their fictitious people, their little mini Lego minifigures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we used to call it like an experiential learning model, but then we sort of embrace the the term constructivist because we just felt like it is truly a constructivist model of learning and and we are we feel that the kids are actually constructing their knowledge by experientially living in these lego cities they're literally constructing sort of you know pieces and bits of learning that then gets formed and and perhaps conceptualized and i feel that it actually over the 32 week curriculum Mm. it gets pretty solidified and internalized Um, Another example, for instance, you know, they'll be writing their constitution or laws. And of course, they may not have included a speed limit in their constitution, perhaps. Um, And that's okay. I mean, kids don't necessarily have to think about everything. We don't give them check boxes and they just like put down a speed limit range. They have to actually think about what are the laws that their particular city needs as their city has evolved. And sometimes some kids will come back and say, we don't need any laws and we are actually fine with that. We let them live in that chaotic disorderliness for a while. And then they realize, oh my God, you know, there was a robbery that happened and there is nobody to, you know, uh, uphold the, the security or safety of my city. But by the same token, suddenly that kid who did not have a speed law um, the mother gets stopped at a traffic light, and of course, he comes back and says, "My mom got stopped because my mom was kind of speeding through the light, and I don't have a law in my city." 
let me just kind of make sure that we do that. So they, then he will just go ahead and perhaps propose an amendment. And of course, you know, there are multiple, pla- I mean, we have developed essentially tools for kids to be able to propose things and come up with amendments and actually come up with ideas and discussion forums. And they will actually have like intercity summits where they can even sometimes like talk to ideas with neighboring cities and, and whatnot. So there are lots and lots of little tools that are kind of interwoven throughout the platform to enable the kids to be able to actually think that. So we really think that we are actually more a facilitating medium, truly uh-huh. you know, paying, um, I would say, truly incorporating uh, project-based learning into our environment. So walk us through, a kid walks in the door for one of your programs and it's, do they, do they sign up for a full 32 weeks? Do they sign up for 16 weeks? They sign up for eight weeks. First of all, how, and how they walk in the door and they're there for two hours. They're there for an hour. It's the first day. What's going to happen? Sure. So we have um, different levels of programs. So the 30 weeks that Prana mentioned earlier is um, separated into our fall program and then our winter spring program. The fall program runs for 14 weeks. The winter spring program runs for 18 weeks. So the kids ideally kind of as the program is set out would sign up at the beginning in September and run and that program would run right the way through to December. We do other things as well though. In addition to that, so we'll have like one day workshops. We run a summer camp program. We go into schools as well and do maybe do a 10 week program. Um, But our kind of our flagship program, which is our Kiddison program is aimed at children between eight and 11 years that runs. So the children would come in once a week um, and they would stay for a two and a half hour session each week. Um, some of them would do they do after school programs we do homeschooling classes but all those programs will run parallel to each other throughout the week so on a monday morning one group of children will come in on a tuesday afternoon a different group of children may come in and so on throughout the week and there are going to be interactions between each of those cities so each group of children builds their own city but we will instigate different situations where neighboring cities or um, they may want to trade deal with a city who um, has a particular resource that they want to um, benefit from in their city. So there would be striking deals. And even though they're never really in the same room at the same time, we have means of them kind of communicating with each other. And it may be that we help them scribe a note if they're young kids, or they may get the chance to kind of send a email or a letter to those which they've written themselves to get that communication going between the different cities. Um, so uh, alternatively, if you came for a summer camp, they would be here Monday to Friday, nine to three, and they would have a very fast paced kind of crammed version of our 14, 18 week program in a week period. So they would, so they would have to try and do everything and everything's much more fast paced. And because it's a summer camp, there's lots more fun elements added in. So quizzes and, um, we do um, mock court cases. So there's lots of other elements to our summer camps that make them, bless you, that make them <laughs> a little bit different to um, to everything else that um, we offer. But our kind of the main thing that we, we deliver is our kind of our 14 week and then 18 week program. And just to add one small comment to that. So the 14 and 18 week are essentially the fall and, and spring semesters. So it is a year-long program. Most of the kids actually do come back. So we have a very high retention rate between the two semesters. So it does sort of work and function as a year-long program. 
So the kid walks in the first day. Yeah. And what happens? Well, they just see like a green swath of land, tons and tons of Lego, you know, green base plates and different typographic sort of uh, landscapes for each and every city. And they end up getting assigned to one of those cities and they will essentially end up building that city over the course of about 30 plus weeks. And what kinds of directions are they given? Sure. So that that kind of initially we give a lot more direction because quite often they're kind of new to the program. So we talk them through the kind of we start off with a wants and needs um, kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs kind of um, process where they have to think about what they think they need in a city and what they want. And they have a thought shower process where they go through and work out what their priorities will be and what they think they're going to need to start off with. So initially that's guided a lot more by us. Um, But as they get more confident, then we will um, kind of give them the opportunity to start kind of thinking on themselves and make their own proposals and decide on how they want to develop the city and what routes they want to go around. And how many kids are building each one of these cities? It can, so for the um, programs, we can have up to say 15 children in the class building, um, building one city. Yeah, 15 to 20. I mean, sometimes on a smaller class or group setting, sometimes there are 10 kids. Um, they're slightly older kids, so therefore they end up being, you know, kind of, again, a group of their own. We do divide them up age-appropriately, and so they can be given age-appropriate sort of directions and or uh, they end up getting age-appropriate problems to solve. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm curious, how much time are they spending snapping bricks together to build versus taking little Lego minifigures and acting out scenarios with the Lego minifigures. Sure. So actually they're doing, I would say, a pretty good balance of both or all of it. I mean, there's partly in between. There's also, I wouldn't again call it instruction, but there are lots of group discussions. Mm -hmm. Group discussions, them building their cities, sometimes, you know, presenting proposals. And then finally, of course, um, them playing it out and, you know, lots of role play opportunities as well. So, yeah. Oh, I, I just think it's so brilliant. It's this immersive, experiential, and you use the word constructivist. Yeah. Um, way, it, you know what it makes me think about? I, for the past, what, eight years now, have been running a business online, and I've had to learn all these things about, you know, how to build a website, for example, and email, how to manage an email list through various different email service providers and things like that, all sorts of technical things that before I had a business, an online business, I knew nothing about, right? (laughs) And suddenly I had to learn all these things because I had a need. And the kids in these cities, suddenly they have a need. So they're having to learn things because they're immersed in it, right? And it's the same thing that I've experienced running my business. I've learned things because I've been immersed and I've had a need. And like that, you learn things (laughs) that way, right? You're absolutely right. It's a a very, um, I mean, I'm not trying to just throw like words and jargons here, but I think it is a very powerful 
guided discovery environment. We we did use that phrase quite a bit because you know Bing sort of came up with this whole play based and and discovery based approach. Bing uh, Bing School at Stanford, Bing, which is exactly the, at Stanford, uh, the right. lab the, the lab nursery school. Of, right, the whole idea of like interacting with an environment and discovering things, and that's truly speaking to that need. Uh, need-based sort of, you know, need dictating what you want to then build or how you want to act. And then, of course, also, again, discovering through the consequence of your own actions some, you know, future needs or how to modify, you know, whatever solutions you've come up with that, right? That's sort of that entire guided discovery. You're constantly interacting with the environment and as such discovering things that then really reinforce that learning. Right. Um, one of the things, I mean, lots of schools are trying to adapt uh, project-based learning, and I feel that they are they're actually not, of course, everybody's loving it who's embracing it, but there are lots of schools that talk about pitfalls of project-based learning, and one of the things that often comes up is that there isn't really an engaging real-world application behind it. I think the engaging part is very important. As the kids start building these cities, there's such an immense sense of ownership um, that they all develop. It's not just one or two kids. You know, a few of them could be the natural leaders right from the get-go, yeah. are very confident and they want to be the, the mayor of the city and they want to be you know, in, the, in the kind of the capacity to sort of run it and, and call all the shots. But there are other kids who are also part and citizens of this city that then over time become engaged as the truly the stakeholders of the city. They realize that if they don't assert their voices, they would not be able to get their voices heard and the decisions would be taken without them. So the natural democratic environment <laughs> allows them to then actually participate in the voting, in the voting decisions, in the participatory processes uh, you know, pertaining to group decision making of all sorts. And that's where they find their voice. That's how they truly develop this inner confidence. They, so we actually, were ju- we just, in fact, published our blog on confidence mm-hmm. building. Yeah. And we were just, you know, basically saying that the kids learn the concept. So they have the, they're, they're given the knowledge to, or they're at least armed with some understanding of how real life societies work. And then they come out and then they actually start practicing that knowledge by essentially, you know, being on that platform or running as a mayor or running as a safety inspector and then they start actually sort of participating in those processes a lot more. And that's how they truly develop that confidence over time. So, so the platform definitely builds that innate leadership skills, even for the kids who may be pretty shy at first, I would say. Yeah. I mean, Anything we've had um, kids that it's worked so well with. They've gone on and actually spoken real um, well, real world and Lego, but the actual real world town council meetings about issues that they feel very passionate about. So their confidence has taken them from a kind of fictitious environment into a real world environment and equipped them with that confidence and the skills to actually stand up and put arguments forward and um, show that kind of, even though they're kids, just like, I mean, the media is demonstrating at the moment, isn't it? These fantastic kids <laughs> yeah. out there that are That's right. showing... That, yeah, they have the, the power to do ch- to make change, don't they? So yeah, the powerful wave of political activism. <laughs> yeah, that we sort of have a little bit of share, or we see a, bit, a small sort of yeah. tiny bit of that as well. Um, I was just going to say one thing. You know, you just told me recently. You know, I was just pointing out one of the kids that actually the first day, I think he didn't want to like, you know, oh, yeah, he yeah. didn't want to leave his mother. No. Perhaps didn't want to just leave. 
And then she just suddenly came and said, you'd be very surprised to see that, you know, this, this kid is now just like really campaigning away. <laughs> so we were like, okay, he's truly transformed. Um, so quite yeah. interesting. Yeah. Many, many examples yeah. of that for sure. That's so great. I love it. It, I, I was just so impressed seeing the space and hearing the stories of, of what you're doing with this amazing business. I wanted to take a moment to share that July is right around the corner, which means that there are just a few more days to get in on early word pricing for my Creative Sandbox retreat. That's the new name, by the way, for my Create and Incubate retreat. I changed the name to be consistent with my branding because everything else I offer pretty much is the Creative Sandbox. My book and this podcast are both the Creative Sandbox way. My lab for women is the Creative Sandbox community. My consultancy is Creative Sandbox Solutions. My upcoming half-day retreats are Creative Sandbox Play Days. So really, it only made sense to call my five-day retreat the Creative Sandbox Retreat. Anyway, it's coming up September 12th through 16th, and the price goes up $400 on July 1st. So what is... The Creative Sandbox Retreat, well, it's five days of living inside a hug. It is five days of uninterrupted time to create, to play. Now, you know how hard it is to make time. You know how hard it is to make space, to do the creative things that you love to do. It, it doesn't just happen, right? I mean, it just doesn't happen, <laughs> you're anything like me, it doesn't happen at all. So the Creative Sandbox Retreat is like an island of time in the middle of the year, or sort of a little bit past the middle of the year, where you get to do that. But more than that, what I've discovered over five years of running this retreat is that the people who come transform. Something happens over the course of those five days. It never fails. People show up as one person and they leave, not really as a different person, of course, because you're the same person, but people leave as a more fully expressed version of themselves. You come as more, I mean, you leave <laughs> as more fully you. That's really the best way that I can describe it. People who come to my Creative Sandbox retreat become more authentically themselves. So if you would like to be more authentically you, this retreat is for you. And I think that must be why people keep coming back. Almost everybody who comes, comes back year after year. It is pretty special. And it's also pretty small. There's only space for 12 people, max, and that's including me. So if you want to join us, I would love to have you. It attracts the right people. Just go to Creative Sandbox Retreat.com 
Com. And I'm actually thinking of having an application process in order to come because I've been really lucky. As I said, I, I attract the right people. I've been really lucky that the people who've come have been amazing. And I want to make sure it stays that way. For right now, you can still just register at creativesandboxretreat.com. And I am trusting that the right people will come because they always have. But I might put up an application process down the road. But whatever you do, don't wait until July because the price goes up $400 on July 1st. So do it now and save $400. And I've got a hug waiting for you. A hug with your name on it. And I can't wait to give you that hug. So go to creativesandboxretreat.com and I will see you in September. And I know you have um, some pretty big visions. Can you talk about where you'd like to take Kittizens and what's your big dream for the for this company? Well, the big dream is <laughs> hopefully, exactly, hopefully we can replicate uh, this wonderful model, um, both from a business standpoint, but also from a, you know, just really a beautiful environment and, and delivery standpoint. Um, hopefully we can replicate that across multiple locations. That's really the first order of uh, kind of dream and priority for us. That's really where all of our, you know, I mean, of course, we are trying to work at the, at the, at the sort of business end, trying to streamline things. We have actually streamlined all the processes. It's actually very, um, you know, from a delivery and from an overall efficiency standpoint, the model is working beautifully well. I think we just need to really get that high caliber teachers <laughs> who can basically kind of, you know, run the program at each of these locations. Yeah. Although a lot of, um, a lot of sort of um, intelligence and, and, and uh, creativity, we're trying to sort of provide hooks for those, those things, uh, for that creative out of box thinking for any teacher or anybody who walks in. We, we truly believe that the creative confidence can be cultivated both in kids as well as in the teachers. So even for teachers, we actually provide lots of, you know, thoughts for discussion, thoughts for, um, or just really um, pointers for them to be able to think about different ideas. And that way they can essentially deliver um, that same, you know, curriculum and, and lesson in a very citizens way, mm -hmm. like environment. So that's sort of the idea. Yeah, I think that's the challenge for yeah. many, many businesses, you know, when the value delivery relies on quality and creativity and, you know, that's the challenge, right, is finding really strong people. Right. It's not that it can't be done, but that's always the challenge is finding those really, really excellent people to do that. Yeah, so. exactly. That is the challenge. And this, I mean, you know, and we are sort of, <laughs> we are um, trying to figure all that out. But at the same time, I think we feel like we can actually get the model to the point where we don't marginalize the quality of, you know, uh, the program in any way. Because mm -hmm. uh, includes the creative part of it. But at the same time, can actually get it out to more people. So that is really, truly what we are trying to get to. That's great. And you have, you have two locations right now? That's correct. Yeah. Two locations right now. That's fantastic.
Yeah, I, I would love to see it in all over the country and the world. <laughs> yeah, that's all yeah. right. <laughs> we'll be there. <laughs> that's great. Well, actually, you know, one thing I'd like to ask the two of you, do you have any, I don't know, any advice, any thoughts for women out there who maybe are looking to lead in their own lives, maybe start businesses or take a big step. Two of you are such great models. What's some, a piece of advice that you would offer other women? Gosh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I mean, I think I've, I've learned a lot from coming here because I was, I worked in a very, um, different type of environment before moving out to the US so it was no it wasn't corporate in any way sense or um form so I've learned a lot and I just think it's being brave and there's so much out there that you can learn from and people you can learn from and it's taking the advice from them and actually unpicking it a little bit and using bits that work for you and never try and change the way I I based this on an experience before that I did work for somebody who wanted me to work in a very different way to how I'd normally worked. And it was in a classroom situation and I was, I'd been a good teacher in one environment. I moved to a different school and I kind of felt like I was, I couldn't do it anymore because I was trying to work in a different way. And somebody said to me, just do it the way you need, you work, work in your own way. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things I learned is not try and work in a set way do the things that you do and do them the way that you do them and you'll be efficient and effective in that, in that environment. Don't work in somebody else's constraints. That's kind oh, of that's great. what works best for me anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say just follow your passion, right? Um, so I come from a technology background and interestingly enough, when I first sort of thought about citizens, you know, and it's with the vision and with the, in its expanded form, I felt like, oh my God, it's a physical world model, clearly has its own challenges of scalability and how do you really get it to the national you know, <laughs> reach that we all can dream about, but it's obviously very difficult. It's literally one location at a time model. It's not, you know, the um, at the time, I think we had the farm bill and all the other things and I thought of how wonderful it will be to have a Lego bill, you know, equivalent, right? that basically, or, or citizen will equivalent, that will basically have the same kind of components and just launch it online, great. I mean, of course, putting on my uh, investment banking hat on, that's what seemed to be much more appealing. And it's interesting from there, from that sort of journey, so far I've experienced that SimCity EDU was there, it kind of you know came and went. I'm not saying that it's no longer there, but there are lots of online models where kids do have great experiences. They're all wonderful models. But I think the physical world interaction that we have witnessed and what the kids have seen here and experienced here is just absolutely amazing. It's very unique. It's truly differentiated. Um, these kids are actually playing uh, Minecraft. They come from, you know, they're playing video games. Some yeah. of them actually are robotics experts. And we, in fact, have some robotics you know, kids that the kids will integrate in their cities if they're building cities of future. But still, it's very interesting that they are intrigued and truly engaged in this physical world where they feel it's their world. 
these adversities and they're truly voicing their own opinions, that's how they would like to run their own city. You know, this is how they would want their civilization to be. Some of them want them to be utopian. Some of them want to be a little bit more military focused, but this is all their role. So what I'm trying to say is that not even a single day so far, and that's why I'm here, I have not, I mean, I've still not felt like, oh, the intellectual stimulation or the creative stimulation has faded in any way. And so I think I'm here because I feel that that is still going me, you know, keeping me going with that, uh, you know, all the creativity that sort of sometimes stems from us, sometimes stems from the kids, actually more often more than often. not <laughs> coming from the kids and they kind of keep giving us fodder for all kinds of thoughts and we feel like, wow, you know, we can keep, keep going ahead. So yeah, it's interesting. We're still tweaking this curriculum almost every other day because we feel like, oh, there's another topic. Oh, there's new, you know, something new to add. Um, just, just the other day, I think when um, there was a, a women's um, march uh, for the for the rights, it was very interesting. We ended up like talking about, you know, how the constitution doesn't allow some of the fundamental rights, and we just said, how would you, what what rights would you like to see? And they actually, the kids had a beautiful exercise where they sort of, you know, ranked ordered their um, the value that they associate with each of the rights. So, yeah, sorry, a long-winded answer, but the point being that, yeah, it just really a lot of creativity and a lot of um, overall positivity, but just just really, truly feeling my passion, personally speaking. Great. Yeah. I love it. Well, I think I told you both that I have this section at the end called Something Cool. <laughs> Did you bring something cool? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you about something. Yeah, I, I think, think it's cool. <laughs> you, should have, you should have brought it with you. Yeah. I mean, just I mean, did you bring something to, to talk about? You do, you don't have to okay. physically bring something. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Um, so I have a group of friends which we've known since we were kind of at school together. So we've known each other kind of thirty odd years, um, and we now live in four different continents around the world. Um, but we wanted, and we all kind of moved and separated around the same time, so four years ago when I moved here, and we wanted a way that would keep us connected. And even though, because we may not be able, we might be able to speak to one person or another person, but one way that would really kind of keep us all in, um, together. So we kind of have our own kind of worldwide book club, but one of us will choose a book, we'll write a message in the book, I'll then post that book to my friend who lives in New Zealand, she'll read the book, she'll write her own message, that messaging and the book gets sent to the next person. And then we all kind of have these books that kind of just keep flying around the world. And it just, it's really nice. And I always get excited when one of the books arrives. It's, oh, I wonder what they've written and what book I've got to read. And it's just a nice way. And then we kind of keep conversations going as well. Because, oh, your book arrived today. I'm so excited about reading it. And it's just been a really lovely way of keeping us connected and having kind of something that we can share together as well, even though we're kind of separated all over the world. That's brilliant. I love it. What a yeah. great idea. Beautiful. <laughs> I have nothing that exciting to share, actually. <laughs> you do. <laughs> yeah, so I, um, I think I actually, how should I begin or where should I begin? So it's kind of along the lines of this whole, you know, dig, or, or the connectedness and the the degrees of separation that I believe are completely disappearing. So I have um, sort of this strong affinity and it has over time become an sort of iconic thing in my life. So I actually have traveled with many friends and it just so happens that every time end of the year, there'll be like a 
uh, heron that I end up seeing. And I just exclaimed a couple of times, oh my God, you know, it's like end of the year and I see my white heron. And whether it's in Costa Rica or whether, you know, the places where I was like least expected. I mean, recently I was in Houston, you know, with a friend and again, I saw it. So I think the friends have started associating with, you know, this every time they see a white heron, they'll actually, I'll get a message either through a social media or just a Twitter or anything. It's like, oh, I saw a white heron. I was thinking about you. So just the white herons out there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I wrote a kind of a trilogy on that uh, while my dad passed away. I just felt like, I felt as if the white heron was kind of symbolically, you know, coming in, in his place to give me all the strength and everything that I was looking for that particular year. And it just has stayed with me. And so all my friends, um, can't, the close friends know about it. And so I just keep getting these interesting messages all around by turns, all around. Wow. The <laughs> so, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Definitely something cool. Well, my something cool this yes, week. please. I was is, just going to ask you that. <laughs> yeah. So I get migraines and I have for years tried just like you name it, I've tried it. And I was going through a pattern a couple of, I don't know, several weeks ago where I was getting migraines like pretty much daily mm-hmm. and they weren't, I don't get like killer, killer migraines or I have to go to the emergency room or even they're not usually de- dis, you know, debilitating, but they're really, really annoying. <laughs> and I was going through lots of drugs and it was just, I was getting really desperate. So I know somebody who's a master herbalist and she, she said, well, you might try mixing some ginger in some applesauce. And I was like, oh, okay. So I took some powdered ginger, like a half teaspoon of powdered ginger and mixed it in a little bit of applesauce. And lo and behold, that has been working like a charm lately. Oh, wow. That's so, so do you take that as a preventative thing or as a cure when you have one? I, as soon, now of course this doesn't work when I'm out and about because I don't have, you know, ginger and applesauce. (laughs) Although I've, she also recommended ginger tincture. So I haven't purchased any yet, but, um, and I guess ginger has just been known by herbalists for, you know, eons to be really good for migraines. I didn't know this, of course, you know, your Western MDs are never going to tell you this because they don't know either. But anyway, as soon as I feel just the slightest, uh, I think I, I think I'm getting a migraine because it will take, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour for it to really start to, you know, turn yeah. into a real thing. I'll go downstairs to the kitchen, get out the ginger, get out the applesauce. I'm stocked up with applesauce, you know, (laughs) and mix in like a half teaspoon of powdered ginger, just from Trader Joe's Yeah, into, I don't know, quarter cup of applesauce or whatever, whatever I can tolerate. (laughs) The only downside is if I'm really full already, then it's like, oh, now I have to eat more (laughs) just to get the ginger down. So- it really, it has really worked quite well. Wonderful. Uh, and I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to say, I got so excited. I believe in serendipity and you wouldn't believe it. My second thing was going to be actually ginger. I was just going to run before. Seriously. So I just totally, I'm a big believer in the 
absolutely amazing properties of ginger. And every day I swear by my ginger tea. Like a lot of people say, how come you have all this energy all during the day? And I literally contribute that to ginger. And in fact, I used to get migraine headaches and I never associated that with ginger specifically. So in all honesty, I did not know about your uh, remedy there, but I have had ginger tea pretty much ever since I started tea. And I would just like literally put a lot of fresh ginger. Yeah. I'll actually get organic ginger from Whole Foods now because it's really even better than all the other gingers I used to get. And just literally a cup of tea or whatever, I put ginger in many different things. And I feel that that provides the most amazing immunity boost to me in the morning. Okay, so tell me how you make your ginger tea. Yes, so you just, I mean, I brew my teas. I make it the Indian way, but I also make it sometimes, you know, the Kenya uh, fairness tree tea that is actually very nice as well. But I always would put, throw in ginger and then just filter it out. So I grate my ginger. Fresh so ginger. You, you grate fresh ginger. Now, do you peel it first? You don't have to. No, just wash it nicely, thoroughly. Okay, so you just you just take the, yeah. the ginger root. And how much do you use? So um, that's a, you know, so like literally about 10 gratings worth of ginger. So, so yeah, exactly. Like 10 of those. I mean, I'm hoping that you have small holes in your grater. Yeah, yeah, I have like a microplane grater. Right. So then that in the water, just let it boil. You can put tea, you know, before or after, depending upon the strength of the tea you like. And then just add milk or no no milk. Absolutely no milk yeah. if you don't want to add any milk. Yeah, I don't drink milk. And it's absolutely, I, I mean, I would just totally vouch by, you know. So you put that. the ginger in the water, you boil yeah. the water, yeah. and then you can add to your not tea. Yeah. Oh. You don't have to be consuming all that sugary applesauce. You can actually try this as well. I'm not at all refuting the other remedy, but I'm just saying that ginger seems to actually carry all those properties. And for me, the day I don't have my ginger tea, I can totally tell the difference. Well, it'd be interesting to see if I start having fresh ginger every day, if I get fewer migraines. Yeah. Yeah, So why don't you just try that? And that way, yeah, that's right. Because you're using the other remedy as a preventive thing then maybe this one could be at least you can see whether you can kind of cover it at the source. Yeah. yeah. Very I, interesting. My son suffered from migraines since he was about seven. Yeah. And we've gone through every, like you've gone through different medications, tried different food intolerances, everything, but yeah. it seemed to be able to kind of pinpoint what causes them. Um, but I will now get him trying the ginger and the applesauce. Cause I think that will pr- probably be a better start for him than Absolutely. actually going for ginger tea. different target audience yes (laughs) yeah it is rather strong i will warn you but it is strong exactly and i think that's why perhaps you're having it with applesauce i have a feeling that applesauce is just to dilute yeah basically to dilute the strength and it's just to get it down (laughs) yeah because if you try to like just take a spoonful of ginger it might be a little hard (laughs) (laughs) right right now it's a a very interesting world of all these you know all the alternative medicine stuff and all that and and i mean i'm i'm personally I'm, i'm perhaps biased but i would say um just having grown up in india i mean i kind of experienced a lot of these you know alternative medicine and, and all those wonderful therapies. And I just have such a strong belief in them now. In fact, that ha- that belief has been reinstated after I have tried all kinds of things. And I'm like, oh no, I'm back to sort of the 
good old ways. Yeah, well, I've turned to alternative, quote, quote unquote. Yeah, exactly. Stuff, <laughs> um, when Western medicine, you know, didn't work for so many things. So that's what I grew up, you know, growing up in Palo Alto, that's what I grew up with was Western MD kind of medicine, which, you know, fails us in so many ways. And so I've turned to quote unquote alternative medicine for, for many things and only went, went to, you know, big pharma for migraines when I got desperate (laughs) and it still hasn't solved the problem. So I was just ecstatic that ginger has, has really helped. That's great. It's, (laughs) it's, uh, enabled me to not have to, uh, pop pills yeah. For the past couple of weeks. So that's my cool. yeah. yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try your daily ginger and we'll see how that goes. Because I drink tea yeah, every so- morning anyway. And, and not um not black tea, but but you know, stuff in hot water. <laughs> right. and, um just kind of, you know, just a word of caution there. I mean, every 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 ingredient has its own sort of, you know, properties as as at least in the from the Indian standpoint and from the Ayurvedas. Some some um, some healing elements have like a cold properties, and some of them have hot properties. Ginger definitely is like uh, you know gives you warmth as well. So in the hot weather, you're you know just just be just go moderate a little bit. You don't want to like have too much ginger. That's all. Be cautious. Yeah. yeah, but in in winter it it works miracles because obviously it's providing you that added warmth and again going back to the immunity. So. Cool. All right. Or hot. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> wow. Well, Prena and Fiona, this has been such a informative and exciting conversation. I've and I'm just delighted to have you on the podcast, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Thank it's you. Been a Thank you, Melissa. Yeah. Nice. To Wonderful talking to you. Yeah. Great talking with you, and I hope to see you soon. Yeah. All right. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Take care. Take care. Bye. 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 That's it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Prena Vadya and Fiona Watson of Kittizens. Let me know if you resonated. And thank you so much for joining me today. If you are getting value out of this podcast, share it with a friend. And I would be super appreciative if you would take a moment to hop on over to iTunes, the Apple Podcast Player, and leave a rating and review. Not just for my ego, though, of course, I love getting those great ratings and reviews, but really the purpose of this is to help other people find the show. Because the more good ratings and reviews the podcast has, the more likely it will be to pop up when somebody is doing a search to find a new podcast to listen to. That's how it works when somebody does a search. The podcasts that have more good ratings and reviews are the ones that show up. So if you would do me that favor, I would be hugely indebted to you. And if you need help, I've got you covered. I have step-by-step instructions. Just go to creativesandboxway.com slash iTunes dash review. That's creativesandboxway.com slash iTunes hyphen review. I've got step-by-step instructions for whether you're on the web or whether you're on a mobile device it's really not that hard. And all you got to do is really write a sentence. I like the podcast. It's great. I like this about it. I like that about it. Super easy. It's not that hard. And I would be so appreciative. 
If you email me and let me know that you left a review and how the podcast has made a difference in your life, that is how you can apply to be on the show, just like Prena and Fiona. If I pick you, we will have a really fun, relaxed conversation and you will be featured on the podcast. How cool is that? That is what I got today. So until next time, thanks again for joining me and go get creating. Subscribe at creative sandboxway.com slash podcast.